This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products or you want CBD products at a cheap rate or value or whatever you call it, use promo code THEPODCAST25 and go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. They have everything from rub-ons to tonics to solutions to roll-ons. It doesn't matter. Anything you want CBD infused, it's all there. It's good for animals. It's good for people. It's good for children. It has no THC, so no one has to worry if that's what you're scared of. But everyone knows a little THC goes a long way. But anyways, to each his own. And if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show, go to poppyapparel.com and you could use the promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. you get 10% off. This is a woman's clothing store. You could shop for anything that you want or need. They ship worldwide. And it's free shipping with more than $50. And if you're into collectibles or if you're a nerd or if you like signed memorabilia, if you like comic books, wrestling, anything that you need or want, go to firstrow.ca. They are a Canadian company. So everything you see there is in Canadian funds. They update daily. And if you use the promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. And they also ship worldwide. So on to this week's guest. He is a Canadian stand-up comedian with three specials you could listen to on Spotify and other various outlets. He is also an actor which you may have seen him in the TV series Supernatural, Doctor Who, and a little movie called The Dark Knight. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tommy Campbell. Hello, thanks for having me on. What's going on, my friend? How are you over there in, uh, I guess, delightful BC, Vancouver, BC? Well, we had a lot of rain and now it's sunny, so I, you know, I can't complain. It's, uh, I was on FaceTime with my mom and she's in Calgary. Okay. And they had like the biggest snowfall they've ever had in oh, September. In that's history. right. Yeah. And she flipped, I, and I didn't know because okay. um, I don't follow Calgary news. Um, but she, I, I didn't realize it had the big snow. And then she flipped the camera around. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I, I was so startled. Like, what, 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 this is all wrong. I mean, this, right. it was, this, this was like yesterday. This is September. You know, like, why am I seeing this? 
It's crazy. Yeah. So whenever BC is magical, it really is nice. You know, yeah, yeah we get the rain, but you know, I've like I showed you on the camera, I've got a 14 foot banana plant in my yard. Like <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, Canada is a big country. <laughs> it's Tell me not about it. all the same. It's wildly different uh, in the geography, the topography, and the people. And uh, of course. I don't know. I find BC to be a pretty cool place for the most part. And born and raised in Calgary, then? Yeah, I was born in Calgary, but I I left when I started stand up comedy. Uh, Calgary is just like not an artistic town at okay. all. It's right. Yeah, um, it's oil and gas, and if you're doing, like, comedy or something or acting, people are like, what do you mean? How do you fucking do that? Why the fuck are you doing that? It sounds fucking, that sounds gay. Like, the stuff you would grow up hearing, it was, like, crazy, and I was like, all right. Like, I remember just even trying to get, like, someone to get pictures of me, like, promo comedy and acting pictures. Like, it didn't exist. I had to go, like, to, like, a real estate photographer that did, like, bus benches to get a a picture of young me covered in acne, so I had, like, a comedy picture. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I realized young, like, I had to to get out of Calgary, so of the comics I started with, I was the first young guy to leave, and this was 2001. Oh, shit. Um... Yeah, I started comedy, I think it was 98 or 99. So okay. I left I left Calgary in 2001, and uh, I moved to Toronto. I'd never been there in my life. Okay. Um, I just knew that it was the best place for comedy, at least at that time. Right. So I, I, uh, I, I had a friend, well, actually a customer. It's bizarre. <laughs> I, I, I used to bartend on the side, and a okay. customer of mine, moved to Toronto and they said, Oh, if you ever end up that way, uh, you can stay with me while you find a place. And so out of the blue, I did get in touch with them. So, so I, I lived with her actually, um, when I first moved there, but my whole thing is I moved there. I think it was like September 9th, 2001. So I moved like the day before the day before nine 11. Oh shit. So that's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like my move was so, I mean, that the world really did change then. Um, and I had, like, all my showcase spots lined up. Hey, I'm the new guy in oh, town. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, planes and buildings. We don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was really horrible timing um, and obviously a horrible tragedy, which had many layers to it for me because my sister worked on, uh, on Wall Street. Oh, wow. And... Um, uh, we, we thought she was dead. Um, oh, right. so that also didn't help with the move. Um, wow. <laughs> um, cause no one had phone contact or anything. And like, I've been to like visit her. I knew where she worked, but, right. um, in the end she was okay, but okay, she like good. witnessed, um, uh, the, I think the second plane hit. Shit. So it always amuses me when, um, we have these comedians that are like conspiracy guys and they do my head in and especially when they talk about that. I'm like, yeah, my sister watched the plane. Um, She was one of those persons like running covered in ash. Like, you know, like, and then I went, I mean, this is going back a long time, but then I just went to New York. I left Toronto and went to New York and had a whole other thing there for a while Then, Mm -hmm. um, and hung out with my sister and helped her, you know, after everything. And then (laughs) back to Toronto. So 
we've gone off on a, a side tangent here, but that's what podcasts are for. Exactly. See, when, Love it. When you're on a talk show, you have three minutes to be like, all right, yeah, my new show is out. My baby did right? something so this morning, and we're back. And thank you for having Tommy Campbell. <laughs> that's the, that is the nice long format of podcasts. Uh, but yeah, I ended up, I went to Toronto, planes hit. Right. I left, went to New York. Um, actually, was a volunteer at Ground Zero. Uh, nice. And then went back to Toronto, and I stayed there for several years. Uh, I really liked it. I lived in a few different places around the city. Okay. And, and uh, you know, was a regular at all those shows. But I think it was after four or five years in Toronto, I decided to move on again. Oh, wow. So where'd you move on to this time? Is this where you moved to England? Yeah, that's when I okay. moved to England. And how that came about. Now, now you're in. As we said, you're in Toronto. Whereabouts in Toronto are you? I'm in Etobicoke. Okay, I'm sending the drone. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the exact coordinates. <laughs> you imagine if just all of a sudden a fucking missile just blew out your balcony and I was like, hey, has that ever happened on your show? I don't think I'm that important yet. <laughs> uh, everybody's important. Everybody's important. I guess in their um, own way. I guess to my wife I'm important, right? <laughs> you're important. Um, uh, yeah, like... You know who Mike Wilmot is? It sounds familiar, but I can't put a so he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a legendary Canadian comic. Okay, maybe that's um, what I know from He's him. played around the world, genuinely okay. played around the world. I guess he's probably maybe 60 now. Oh, wow. Um, but I was working, I mean, me and him were just driving to some terrible gig up north. Okay. And he'd just gotten back from like a couple months in London. And... Uh, I'm declining a, a, a no problem. declining one one of those phone calls. I see the number. I know what it's going to be. She 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 be she she be. You know one of those things. You right? know what? I get. I'm going to leave this in. I don't care now because this is good. I get those all the time. And the funny thing is, is my wife's Spanish, right? And the first thing I hear when they when I say hello is "Mija," and to me. Yeah, yeah. That's in in Spanish like "Mija" is like my darling, like my daughter, like my loved one. Yeah, yeah. So it almost sounds like it's Spanish, but it's not. It's Chinese. So half the time I'm like, "Is this my my mother in law, or is this the actual people from China trying to get my money?" Oh gosh, yeah. And you start just like talking to them. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Anyways, well, sorry, I had to defer that, but go for it. Um, what what happened was I'm doing this terrible road gig with Mike. Okay. And he's just like, just telling me like, you know, last week, last week, I I, I played to. You know, the Comedy Store London, there was 500 people in a show, and it's just telling me about the format and the audience and how well put together it is, and now we're driving to whatever. And then I was like, wow, I I didn't realize there was this huge comedy scene there. And he explained, like, there's more clubs, at least at the time, right? We're Mm -hmm. going back now. Uh, We're going back, you know, 15 years. There's more comedy clubs in London than all of Canada. Um, wow. Arguably, probably more clubs in London than a couple like New York State, you know? Like, See, it was crazy. I didn't even know that. And why so, is that um, not... Yeah, like, I'll, I'll get deep into that in a second. crazy. But okay. basically, he explained it all to me. Right. And I said, I said, wow, England's in the EU. Right. I have an Irish passport. Oh, perfect. And he's like, yo, fucking idiot. Like, he was like yelling at me, like, what are you doing here? You know, like, oh, you know... Right. You know, you got most people have to get a visa, and it's really hard. You can just fucking go. Right. You can go. Exactly. And and so um, and so I and so I did. Okay. I just got on a plane and I went, and uh, 
it's one of those things when you show up in a new place. When I showed up in Toronto, I was quite a new comic, new enough still. You know, I was just uh, just off, you know, okay. off amateur night doing like paid opening spots and middle spots. But I was, you know, I mean, I, I was, I was small town good. Right. But gotcha. after years in Toronto, by the time I left Toronto, I, I was swinging hard enough that when I showed up there, if I got on a show, mm-hmm. I would do my best. Like okay. I, I, I wasn't going to, I, I knew I'd only get one chance to prove myself at places. So I was made sure that everywhere I went, I killed as hard as I could or tried to, you know, uh, and then those places started booking you. And then the way London works is the most rigorous screening process is with the comedy store. Um, right. Now, the comedy store in London has nothing to do with the one in L.A. They're, oh. they're, they're zero to do with each other. Okay. It's like the copyright, the name is an international copyright, oh. and the guy made his own thing, Don Ward. Okay. This, this fantastic guy in London made his own uh, made, made his own clubs there, um, just using the name. Okay. That's, it's the end. The name, the logo, I think it's the only thing that's saying. Right. Anyhow, their screening process is so intense, and their club is so intense, oh. because... Uh, People there just demand, that, like the, the audiences, they just demand the best. Like oh, you okay. have to kill it, right? And if you do, they book you. And if they book you, then everyone books you. Gotcha. So okay. I was lucky enough to, and I guess good enough to make mm-hmm. it through the process quite early after moving there, like oh, within nice. my first six months. Okay. So from there. Like, if you're approaching another club and you want to play it, the first mm-hmm. thing they'll say is, do you do weekends okay. at the comedy store? Mm-hmm. And if you say yes, they'll double-check with them that you do, and that's good enough for them. Like, if you're good yeah. enough for the store, right? It, 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 it's like, it's like you know, like, I don't know, if an actor wins an award and then they want to be in this movie, and they're right. like, oh, you have to audition, it's like, no, I, I won the award. Just, right. I'm, I'm good enough, like, kind of thing. And so at least they allow that over there. Okay. They're like, they know how rigorous their testing is. Um, so yeah, so everything kind of falls backwards from there. Gotcha. Now, uh, you're curious about why comedy's bigger there. Yeah. Um, this is my observations. I was there for nine years. Oh wow. Um, it's it's a way better format. Okay. So in North America, we have this absolutely fucking stupid system of a waitress walking through the crowd people sat at tables right. so as soon as you put a table you put distance between people like just mm. imagine if you went to go see like stepbrothers in the cinema right and instead of rows of seats there was big tables everywhere so everyone is sat far apart mm-hmm. and and then instead of getting your popcorn at the front there was someone just walking through, beeping, scanning credit cards, taking money. Yeah, like it's so distracting. Right, right. And and so it, it just it doesn't serve. It, it doesn't put anything ahead. Mm. So what they said is their shows there, like the comedy store, is theater seating. Okay. Um, you get your drinks at the bar oh, okay. before the show starts, right. and you're a grown ass man or woman. You can sit in the seat holding a glass of wine. It's not that hard. Right. Um, and if you want to put it down, you put it at your feet. 
and a couple of clubs have a little thing in the chair, like uh, like at a cinema, right? Right, like a couple. Days. So now you got your drinks at the bar. The show starts. You yeah. got your full attention. Yes. You're all sat close together. Oh. There's no stupid waitresses or waiters. Right. Don't want to discriminate. <laughs> going through the crowd. Right, right. And then what they do is after the after each act, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking after five minutes, like after an act doing 20, 25 minutes. Right. They'll take a quick break. Okay. And that break enables you to go to the washroom, send a text, uh, run off for a cigarette, or run to the bar and get another beer. Gotcha. And then the show starts again. They have a little warning. The show will start. Right. And it's like exciting. It's, hey, the show's back on. The music, the smoke machine goes out in the crowd. Right. And everyone gets back to their seats excited. And... They're not trapped in their seat for 90 minutes going, oh, i got to go pee, but he might make fun of me. Where's that waitress? Who had the, are we splitting the bill? Who had what? Just the focus (laughs) is on the show. And again, everyone sat close together, which is like just the recipe for comedy magic. You have to put people together. You know, I was at a club on the weekend. Everyone's in fucking booths. (laughs) Like, they're, they're, they're in horseshoe shaped booths along the side of a room which means half of them are facing the other direction right but they're like oh we just want to sit in the booth i'm like oh rip them out like (laughs) and then yeah it's it's just that thing so that format with that with the with the more so theater seating and the acts and the breaks get your drinks at the bar right 90 percent of the club's in England, follow that format. Oh, wow. At least That's 90, awesome. maybe 95. Right. And they're packed to the gills. And it's like, a, it's a thing. Like on Monday morning, people will actually talk about what they saw on the okay. weekend. Right. Versus here, a show's so long, people forget, like... It's true. ...who was on first. Yeah. Whereas if you're the act on first, because of the break, when mm-hmm. people are getting their beer... Mm-hmm. They'll actually be like, oh, what was that guy's name? I liked him a lot. What's his social media? Like, they'll actually look you up. That's true. But but if you're an opener or a middle on a bill here, right. they don't remember who was on okay. by the end of the show. And also, with their show format, they don't have the acts on in, like, order of strength like we do here, like the opener, sure. middle, close. Yeah, yeah. They have three or four headliners okay. in no particular order. Oh, wow. So they're told to MC, like when you MC a show, you have to tell the audience that. Just so you know, we have four amazing acts tonight in no particular order. Um, right. They're just based on where else they got to be tonight. Um, so oh, okay. enjoy. Whereas here, audiences are trained to be like, well, he's on first, so he's kind of shit. Yeah. Um, you know, like they, they have it's that true. weird mentality. Yeah. So, so the comedy store runs shows in, I've done shows for them in like, Hong Kong, Tokyo, India, um, they, they have all these shows abroad and wherever mm-hmm. you go, it's that same format, okay. right? And the same thing if it's a non-comedy, just if it's a British person, like when you go anywhere in the world mm-hmm. outside of North America, it's that format. I, I mean, I've done shows in, in, in Austria, in Ireland, in Germany, yeah. it's all that format. It's oh. never the waitress. Oh, gotcha. Um, so it's painful when you're here and you're just like, you, you guys are doing it wrong. Right. Like this is, it couldn't be more wrong, but the Canadian way is they'll tell you, oh, this is why it won't work. And I'm like, gosh, I've seen it work around the world <laughs> way better than this. Right. So stop telling me it won't work. And you always get the, oh, what about our waitresses? I'm like, well, 
turn them into bartenders because right. someone still has to make these drinks. So now they're behind the bar. Guys exactly. are getting the drinks at the bar. They'll get their tip money there. Yep. You know, what about people walking out on without paying? I'm like, don't you understand? Exactly. They're buying the drinks yes. at the bar. They can't walk out it's on impossible. a bill. It's impossible, yeah. But I'm endlessly told while stuff won't work. Um, that sucks. And then endlessly people are like, oh, I went and saw a comedy when I was in Britain. It was amazing. I'm like, well, I'd love to have that format here. But um, for some reason, people are against it. And it, it does my head in because it is like the best format. So. Right. So their format is why it works better. Um, the format also creates better comedians, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a more of a social culture there. Uh, again, another theory of mine simply is people have a lot smaller homes. I mean, you live in, in London. Uh, people think Vancouver's apartments are small or something. I'm like, yeah, divided by four and triple the price. You're right. So people want to go out more. Like a pub is a public house. That was the whole point of it. it makes sense. So yeah. when people go, people want to go do stuff. People are looking to do stuff uh, at, at night, you know. They don't want to be at home and they're flat. Mm-hmm. So that thirst for entertainment helps. And uh, the more outgoing culture, the more... Uh, willing to cheer and laugh and have a good time you know as i said canadians are awesome but they can be pretty reserved you know right they hold back on the belly they laughter. really hold they yeah. really hold back you okay. know you in i've been to 35 countries so i know <laughs> wow. some whenever i talk about something like this there's right. always someone that's like fuck <laughs> you buddy <laughs> and i'm like man I'm, i notice it all the time you know even when like Vancouver, I'm 30 minutes from the U.S. border. I'm 12 right. miles. Okay, yeah. And I know when my wife and I go over and we mm-hmm. end up going to some restaurant or hanging out there or a brewery, right? people are more friendly. Yes. People are nicer yep. there than when we go out here. People are so oh, – I just know. even with our kid, people are like, oh, let me – I mean, they just show up with like some orange slices and crayons. <laughs> and, it's true. You know, it, I'm, I'm, it's, it's not – I talk about this endlessly with my uh, uh, friends here, like how much we notice um, when we go south, um, how much friendlier um, everyone is. So I don't know why, as Canadians, we have this reputation for being friendly. But we're not. When I I don't think, I think we're friendly to each other. I think we're really cool to our friends and neighbors, but... I, I'll just ask Canadians this question. Like, okay. if they say, no, no, we're, we're friendly. And I'm yeah. like, have you been in a car? Have you driven? Because if you're driving on the highway, everyone is behind you honking, like, mm-hmm. fuck you, buddy, get yep. out of my way. Yep. You know? And, you're, and you've got nowhere to go in front of you, and they're still tailgating and giving you the finger. And I mean, we are not as... I just think we're not as friendly when it comes to strangers. Um as we claim we are, I don't know who started this. Everything is apologized for and friendly rumor. And it's like, we've enjoyed it, but I do have, I do have encounters with people down South coming up here and they're like, Oh yeah, we went and spent a weekend in Vancouver. And they're like, oh, it's very rude and very, and I'm like, well, we think it's really nice, but, that's like what we know. It's like when I lived in 
when I lived it, it's you, you become, here's the best way to break it down. You become to accept things are a certain way and think right. that's normal. So when I lived in Britain, uh, when I got married, a couple of my buddies came over. I took them to my local pub. Okay. And uh, a pub in England is really cool. You can bring your dog in. Oh, wow. You know, it's kids, dogs. Shit. Oh, kids, kids are allowed like one drink as long as it's a cider or a certain kind of lager. There's some bizarre okay. rule and accompanied by an adult. So, right. again, a public house. But I, I ordered these uh, like uh, local beer I wanted everyone to try and we're okay. all cheers. And this is the middle of summer there. It yeah. was actually hot. We take a big glug and my friends are all like, oh, that's warm. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? This is like ice cold. And right. they're like, really? I'm like, yes. Take another sip. Like, okay, okay. And they're like, oh, you've been here too long. Oh, no. That's the thing. They said, if you think, if that's what you think is a cold beer, right? You, you, you're so far gone, man. Like, this is, this is tap warm. Oh, shit. And it's those moments, right, where you're like, oh, I've come to accept that this is how people are and then you realize you know so going from britain to canada was yeah. like a huge leap forward in customer service and friendliness and stuff right. so every day i am grateful for that but whenever we dip down the states i'm like oh this is the standard you know like yep. when you're in tim hortons here it's like have i ruined your day by coming to your establishment don't and even, asking for a coffee don't even because talk to me about very that, upset that I've ordered oh. this, you know, like everyone's like, oh, what do you want? <laughs> okay, I'll go get it for you. Whereas like, when I'm down across the board, they're like, you, sir, next, what can I get you? You, sir, they're like pointing over the shoulder yeah. and calling. Yep. And then you come back here. And yeah, even if it's like apples that you're in like a Burger King to Burger King, McDonald's to McDonald's. Like, right. When you're in the same place, different country in the same day, it's yep. just a, like a head fuck. Um, <laughs> it's true. It is true. And again, people will get super angry with me and I don't mind because I'm not making anything up. This is an easy observation. I love it though, because this is something I always bring up on the show as well. Even last week, I I, I had Sarah Rin on and we talked about how I was in LA and we, and that's one of the things I always bring up is that I hate people, especially in Toronto. Like, you know, you know, and it's even worse now than it probably was when you were here. But everyone has a chip on their shoulder. Everyone thinks that there's somebody. Everyone has so busy. And it's not that friendly culture. Like, again, like you've been saying that it is, that yeah. people think that we're known for. And it's like, just go to the States. You will see it. They are packed. Like, some of their fast food joints are so packed, but yet they're so happy as if they just got a raise or something. Like, you know what I mean? Unlike yeah, here. Yeah. It's Amazing. so everyone fucked up. I hate a, it, man. A great attitude, whereas... And I'll bring it up to a friend. I always, I'll always say, like, I've got a nice yard of the fire pits. I've always mm. got people hanging out, and I will have some people, and I'll bring this up, and they'll right. be like, "Oh, they just, they don't, just not, they don't make enough money and stuff." I'm like, "Oh, our minimum wage is far higher here." Yep. Like, don't, don't, don't give me that again. The <laughs> Canadian, I, I think the Canadian thing is looking for excuses, like them saying, "Oh, it'll yes. never work with the comedy clubs." You're just telling me, like, no, someone has to go to that employee and say, like, look. You're not just here to make coffee. Do it with a smile. Give Thank a shit. Um, I worked a million jobs. I wrote an entire book about it. So oh, wow. I've I've done everything. Okay. But you know what I always did? I always fucking tried. Because 
There you Your go. day goes by a lot faster right? when you actually smile and make an effort versus when you're the person that's like, oh, this sucks, everything's horrible, drag my feet. Then, then it's like the clock's like tick, tick, tick. But if yeah. you just hustle and smile and be friendly, you'll feel better as a human. Yep. Your day will go faster and you'll probably get a raise. <laughs> it's... But I don't know what it is here. Like, again, my friends try and claim it's because they don't get paid enough. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's bullshit. They get paid more, and they have the health care. They have everything. Um, So I don't don't know. know. And the problem is, too, that it's fucking contagious. Because I even fell for the trap, too. Of course. When I first started, like, working full-time and shit. It was like, oh, I was one of those people. Like, oh, this place sucks. I don't have enough fucking uh, benefits. I've worked too many hours. I don't get paid fairly, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I have a job. I have a mortgage that I'm able to pay because of this job. Like, what the fuck? Like, why should I be like down and out that I chose the path that I chose? And it's my problem. If I want to make more money, if I want to be happier, I have to do more then. And when that, that's when it clicked and it's like, fuck, it's, it's all my fault. It's not no one else's, but my own, but people don't. And I think, again, that goes back to the chip on their shoulder and having pride. They don't want to look themselves in the mirror and say, it's your fault. They always want to point fingers at someone else because they think by, Bringing other people down will bring them up, but it's totally the opposite, right? Absolutely. So when were you in California? Uh, early September, like during the Labor Day week. Oh, cool, cool. And what were, what were you there for? Nothing, a little bit of podcasting, a little bit of, of vacationing. So I stayed right beside the comedy store. So that was that was pretty cool. And I did all that stuff. And uh, I got a, an interview or two from LA, so that was cool. But other than that, That's no, awesome. no, it was good times. Like I love it. Like I, I said last week, if I could, I'd, I'd move there. Like if I could get a green the, card and actually yeah. afford to live there, then I'd be there on the next flight. No questions asked. It's it's not. It's honestly not that expensive. It's not more expensive than Toronto or Vancouver, and it's that thing too where it, it's nice up. So That's even it. if you have the small place, like. In London, super expensive, but so much to do. Like, right. your place was just somewhere you slept, you know? Like, okay, okay. every night was an amazing, uh, some event was on. Right. Um, but in L.A., it's the same thing. Like, outside is free, and it's beautiful. And I think a lot of that about B.C., again, when it's not raining, it's like, it's kind of the equalizer. Whenever I'm at, like, the, the ocean or a nice park or a lake right. here with my wife, mm-hmm. I point out, I said, it doesn't matter if you're the richest person in the city or the poorest this is here for everyone. Yep. Everyone gets to enjoy it and everyone gets to feel it equally. And I find that interesting. But when it comes to California, if I, I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. Like if it was easier to live there mm-hmm. as a Canadian, um, again, in the sense of work, right. uh, it is the place to be, but I don't think the average listener or person realizes how hard it is for a Canadian to go there. Mm. Um, Like that's the one thing that drives me crazy about free trade and stuff. Like how entertainers got left out of that. Oh, right. Like how, like, like when an American actor wants to come film something here, mm-hmm. they just get this tiny little permit, like at the border. Right. When an American comic wants to come work here, they like land and they're like, here's the sheet I'm playing, um, whatever the ha ha hole this weekend. Sure. And, um, at the border, they're like, okay, it's a $75 temporary visa. And they just get stamped and walk in. Right. Whereas when I go down the States, even when I say I'm, I'm a comedian, mm-hmm. they're like, 
they're, they insist like, Oh, you, you must be working. And I'm oh. like, I'm with my wife and my baby. It's right. a Sunday afternoon. Like we're just going to a pub and doing some shopping or whatever, you right. know, but, um, just to even visit with this occupation is challenging, but yeah. to actually get a visa, the amount of work finances and sponsorship required right. is really, um, you know, you, you could be looking at spending $10,000 and still not getting anything. That's crazy. And yet a lot of people don't realize this. And for someone like myself that's married and has a kid, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if I wanted to go there, um, I have to get one for everyone. And then I have uh. to worry about health care. Um, and then I have to worry about, uh, um, getting murdered. So you say guns <laughs> is a big thing. That, those are the turnoffs when it comes to like, you know, I know. uh, when, when you're, when you're on your own, you know, it's like when you drive your car on your own, you drive it a little different than when you got friends or family. And that's it, true. Yeah. You have a little easier. So for me going down to America, I mean, Obviously, if there was a serious job offer and I knew, okay, I'm going to go film this or uh, or write on this for six months, fine, mm-hmm. and we would make that work. But to go and pursue work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, dealing with three visas and private health care, it, it's just, um, it's insanity for me at my age uh, of imagine. 40 to uh, want to do that. Wow. Yeah, that's true. But if we could, but if it was simple. The way it is simple for them. I mean, there's a couple of American comics that live in Vancouver. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm always, you know, people probably think I'm a dick because I'm always <laughs> like, why are you here? Like, everyone, everyone's trying to go to the go other down way. There. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't understand. Like, to me, it's like, something's up. What are you hiding? Why are you here? Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, right. Um, I, could, I could get coming back and playing here mm-hmm. like a weekend a year, but to, to be based here when you have that passport, like if, if you're a good comedian and you live in Los Angeles, you will write on a TV show immediately. Okay. Um, and, and that TV show will lead to a better show. Um, and then that could lead to a producing thing or acting and stuff. But in Vancouver, there's nothing, we don't have like a nightly show or anything like that. That's made. There's no, opportunity in that sense right Right. not neither really in toronto right yeah that's true canada just unfortunately love this country we just have limited opportunities um which is again why i left england for nine years Mm -hmm. but then people are saying well why are you back (laughs) um i moved back five years ago because of outside of show business Mm -hmm. there is this thing called quality of life right and Canada is a beautiful, clean, safe country. And when I was 35 looking forward and I said to my wife, like, you know, looking at the dirty streets of London, people pissing everywhere, (laughs) crime and terrorism 24 seven, you're like, um, yeah, maybe we could do something different. And so it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a career move. It was a step back from my career to move to Canada, right. but a step forward as a human being and just enjoying life, um, Makes sense. and quality of life stuff. Now, I, I still have a good career in Canada, but it's not like um, I, I, I don't get the like the clubs I played constantly in Britain. Right. I mean, I I think about them every night. 
<laughs> like I wish okay. I could be like that. But the good thing is, is when you leave a place, because you move from it, it doesn't mean it's like that place is gone. So I can, I can still put those clubs in my rotation on tour. I just don't That's have true. the luxury of jumping in a, in a in, on the tube or an Uber and going yeah. to one and smashing it out to 500 people and then coming home. Like, wow, that was amazing. Right. Um, so, yeah. But on the other hand, we do have weed, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's just lunacy. Like I couldn't believe it when I that that's that's a very hard to get there. Um, really? In England, very hard. Um, oh no! Hash. Everyone has like hash from Morocco and stuff. Okay, so, so you know what? Because uh, my background's Portuguese and my parents are from Portugal and actually lived in Portugal for a year, and it was the same deal okay. when I was there. It, like the weed was garbage. Like you could find weed, but it was literally like yeah, yeah. grass. You like when I mean grass, it was like garbage. So, but yeah, they had yeah. the Moroccan hash because it's right there south of the border, right? You just cross the ocean and then you're right in Morocco. So, but I got used to it and I really liked it. So, so did I. But, tell you the truth, it, it was fine with, and it was good. It's not like the hash over here. Like I don't know if it was the same in England, but it was like that gummy you could stretch it out and it smelled yeah, nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Right? Okay, perfect. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was tremendous. I had, and for me, it was like a different. I find that high was quite nice. Yeah. Um, again, I was like when I was younger, I didn't even realized the sativa indica difference or anything and Me um, i found the hash be much more chill much less thinky thinky oh okay worry yeah. panic so i uh, you know i enjoyed it but but yeah coming back here was just a quality of life thing but it also certain things about it did work out at times when i moved back career-wise because mm-hmm. um i tour as you know opening for jim jeffries right and he was my long friend in England. So oh, he was okay. so him and I were on the circuit there. Like we used to drive to Manchester together, like oh, wow. do regular shows, right? Okay, right. Um and he gotten more and more successful over the years, but mm-hmm. nothing like what he is now. But it was enough of the success that his success in England got him that HBO special. Right. And he ended up moving to LA, I guess it was about a year before, a year or so, one to two years maybe before I moved here. Okay. Um, so he'd kind of gone ahead of me, um, and then I guess this the way it worked out. By the time I got to Vancouver, um, he really started to pop mm. and was doing his large theater tours. Right. And it just was like perfect timing for me because I just moved back here, and he's like, "This is great." Because right. you can you the, you can open all my Canadian shows. Oh, awesome! And so, well, you'd you'd always want to tour with um, someone you know and someone right. you trust as a comedian yep. and a friend. So, of course, um, it's almost six years now where I've played every major theater in Canada and arena multiple times because we go back every year with his new tour okay. and I do new material. We both do new stuff. Nice. So that for me was a pretty amazing, like if I was still in Britain, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened. You know, I wouldn't right. have been flying back to Canada to do this of course. every couple months. But so that was a happy thing about moving back here mm-hmm. was, uh, I, I, Jim's fame popped in, he yep. opened the door and let me in. So, That's awesome. Um, like my next shows, I am in Toronto October 
in a couple weekends. I think it's the 17th or 18th, two shows, Friday at the Sony Center oh, nice. Performing Arts. Yeah, I've been there. And then my other next show with him is in November on the 16th, and that's at the Savon Memorial Arena in Victoria. Oh, wow. Um, and I think that's our third time playing that arena. Before that, he played the theater there, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, I guess is that we got too big for it, <laughs> you know? I prefer, personally, as a comic, you always right. know, a theater is the best. You'd rather play a theater than an arena. An arena sounds cool, but right. it's... It's a pretty high ceiling. It's a lot of uh, oh, gotcha. a lot of echoes, right? Um, but he has good screens and mm-hmm. uh, puts on an amazing show. Obviously, but of course, as a comic, I prefer uh, a little more, um, yeah, a little more intimate than mm. than like you know your stage at this side of the arena. Right. You have no pyrotechnics. You just have a microphone and dick jokes. Like, and all right, that's it. <laughs> Everyone listen up to me. It's so bizarre. Uh, right? I still don't know how you guys do it. But uh, what about your... Th- I don't know how we do it either. Let's talk about your three specials that you have out. I've actually went back. I've heard them all. And they're all equally good in their own way. But my favorite is your second special. Uh, what is it? You um, Stupid... Uh, stupid yeah, my, Chiming. My, my, my three albums are Hamster Pimp. That's it. Great name. It's- and Stupid Shaming, and then my latest is called Let's Ruin Saturday. Um, it's also my longest. It's just like a minute under an hour. Okay, well. And the reception for that's been really good, but this is what's great about comedy. Um, you know, you can you can see the first Star Wars trilogy, and you can have a favorite. like Of course. And your favorite can be different than someone else's. So yep. a lot of people, this latest album is, is their favorite of mine. Okay, yeah. But... If the second one's your favorite, awesome. I'm just glad you have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is true because I hate it sometimes when I have guests on and it's happened and I'm not going to name drop obviously where I don't either, not that I don't like them as a person, obviously I do or else I wouldn't ask them to come on, but I'm not too fond of certain material and certain things that they do. So I try and stay away from those questions if possible, but it comes up. Mm-hmm. And But still with you, it's like, no, like you have... Not to say the perfect package, because that's almost impossible, especially in comedy, because it's subjective, right? But you have that little bit of, like, potty mouth with smart writing and storytelling all wrapped up in one. Because you usually only get someone who's out there saying, dick, fuck, motherfucker, and ha, 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 like, pure, like, a guy's man basement guy telling jokes type deal. Or you have the very intellectual ones that are, like, methodical and tell a great story. But you bring them, like, both together, and I found that refreshing, honestly. Can I can I put this on my next poster? <laughs> what I I I, uh, I I really appreciate um, your your praise, um, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you see that uh, that I do try and have a balance. And yeah, I know I, I know there's tracks on an album where I'm all of a sudden I have something that could be more political and then something that's more wacky and something more observational, but right. it does, nothing feels out of place. Exactly, and. Uh, that's what I, that's just who I am and that's what I like to do. So I'm really glad you enjoy it. No, I loved it. And I just have one question out of all three of your albums. Okay. Have you mastered Curving Your Cum yet? <laughs> Getting the correct bend is is an art form. Uh, 
I haven't. Um, there's just too many variables, <laughs> and it's di- it's different here. Like from city to city, okay. You know the air pressure, the elevation. You know, uh, you never know what you're going to be dealing with. So. So now, people, if you're listening and you want to know what Curving of the Cum is all about, go back and listen to this man's specials and give him the hit so then you know what we're exactly talking about. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what album that, that talking about that is on. I think it's the first one, if I'm not mistaken. It might be on Hamster Pan. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, uh, I was really excited with my most recent one because um, the length, and for me, like, as a, uh, <clears throat> I had a really good recording setup for it. Um, the best I've had, I think we had eight mics or nine mics. Oh, wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and a lot of them are just, like, for redundancy. It's just fail-safe, right? Because smart. if something happens, if if, if there's a click click on one mm-hmm. and you have, like, an amazing night, then you're like, well, well that sucks and uh, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. So part of it was I made sure they were balanced in the audience to, to pick up, you know, the, the clean laughter, but that myself, I... I wanted to make sure that I had like I actually had a lapel mic as well. Oh, okay. So if this one failed, and then I had another one from the ceiling above me. Just so if there was a problem mm-hmm. at any point, he could switch to another mic. So I was really happy, not just like first and foremost because it's my most recent hour of material that I performed uh, for the last like fourteen months in front of Jim Jeffries. So it's like right. these, this stuff's good enough for <laughs> you know massive theaters and arenas. So. Right. Uh, it's tried and tested and ready to be laid down. So that's why um, it's what I do with every album. But this one was just a certain more bigger, more ambitious one because it's um, said the length of it. uh, And um, I also had that really cool cover made for it. So people can, when they go check it out on Spotify or Apple Music, iTunes, whatever, Mm -hmm. you'll see um, I had a really ambitious um, cover done by a UK illustrator named Sam Mayle. So I actually had a design company, you know, hand draw me this incredible cover. Um, It's just a weird thing. Like you you see band covers and stuff. I always just had a kind of a smirk or a, a face on a cover and it's, and it's like the, life imitating art thing like mm-hmm. you're like oh well that's usually what you see on other people's specials and stuff and my feedback was always like hey man i loved your album but why do you always like look pissed off or look kind of like on the front when I, whenever i see you you're like like the most smiley you know goofy friendly guy right but you always look pissed off and i'm like well part of it is just i naturally have a resting bitch face okay and um and I just tried to have like these, I guess, like cool pictures. Um, sure. And I was like man enough to like admit, like when I look at my stuff, going, "Yeah, I, that's it. You're right. That isn't me. I was trying to go for this thing, right. and um, so I wanted to do something completely different. And so I had a photo taken of me, very much smiling, and then the guy." Uh, uh, drew based on that with mm-hmm. all the imagery uh, mm-hmm. around it on the latest one. I'll, I'll send you a, a, a. Sorry, I thought I had one right behind me, but I got some. I'll send you a, a copy. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, now what about acting? You're also a, an actor. You like to like. I even heard on your specials that you've always wanted to act, even as a child. You you knew you were going to do something in entertainment. Now, what came first? Was it your acting or was it your stand up? Um. So I first, I think I was in a commercial first when I was about five or six years oh, old. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. 
So, uh, but that was like a, it was like a Calgary thing. A local director was making a film oh, within okay. our neighborhood. Sure. I'm uh, making a commercial and was like, hey, you know, I guess figured we were outgoing and cute enough and cast me and my sister in this thing. Oh, that's cool. And uh, and that was my first like taste of that. And then beyond that, it was just drama in school. And then uh, they were filming a movie once in my hometown, and my mom took us to be extras in it. Oh. And we were there for a few days. Okay. And it, I just thought it was all fascinating to see it be made. Um, of and course. So that kind of piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to be like quite a popular movie in the 80s. It was called Rad. Um, mm. it's, a, it. it's a it's a BMX. It's, it's a okay. BMX. Like, it's like a BMX Rocky. Um, okay. Actually even has Talia Shire in it. Oh, well. Look it up. It's a very, very... Uh, Right, yeah, I'll have to look at it. Popular movie, and, I, and anyway, I was just an extra in there. Like, I'm not okay. in the credits or anything. Right. It was a bizarre thing that that's the first thing I ever did. Okay. So, yeah, I I, I started, um, again, Calgary. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of opportunity. Right. Um, and uh, I did some, like, independent stuff, mm-hmm. just some shorts and independent films. Um, and again, knew if I wanted to do more, I had to leave. So it was all yeah. part of, I was getting into that right out of high school the same time I was starting the stand-up. Okay. But I didn't properly, aside from voiceovers, mm-hmm. I mean, in Calgary, I was doing some voiceovers. In Toronto, I was doing some. Mm-hmm. But I didn't properly hit my stride with acting till I was in England. Oh, okay. And I did a few commercials and, uh, like, a reenactment show. Oh, wow. Like, where I was, like... <laughs> Like, I forget what it was called, but there was some guy that, like, fell in a canal, and I was, like, a dude that rescued him, and I looked enough like him. So, I had, it was one of of those, right? And I went from that to, uh, I got the part in The Dark Knight. That's awesome. And, so, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that show business, though. You go from, like, crappy commercial to a reenactment show to all of a sudden you're, like, in pretty much the greatest movie ever made. Right. Um. The highest, one of the highest rated movies of all time. Of course, yeah. And I got to film that at the 007 soundstage in Pinewood. Oh, wow. Um, work with Christopher Nolan. Right, like, of course. It just was a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> I could imagine. And, and then kind of like, like I mentioned about the comedy store, mm-hmm. like when you have something good on your resume and it's recent and everyone's seen it, it does help when right. you go on an audition and they're like, oh yeah, we, we just saw that, you're in that. Yeah. So from there... Um, I, you know, I, I, I landed stuff on Doctor Who, uh, a British show called Spooks. I think they call it MI5 here. Okay. Um, but whenever I've been on something, I've just tried to like be memorable. Of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, like just try and be memorable if you can make people wonder who is that like they'll look them up after something like you know you you just have you know your one shot so you might as well do as best job as possible take it as seriously as possible without stressing but uh i think my last thing i did in england before i left was the edge of tomorrow with tom cruise oh nice so if you've never seen that movie definitely watch it it's tremendous it um, is it's, it's a yeah. nice mindfuck type movie yeah, and, and, and a, a real mind fuck is to grow up loving Tom Cruise movies and then have to 
have to sit next to him for a few days really? filming this filming this yeah well i, I fly the drop ship I, I like i don't know how well you remember like i at the end of the film okay okay yeah i fly the ship so it's me taking everyone and i i have you know a bunch of lines and interaction with tom and stuff okay. but again people in the world of film you know there was a guy on that that worked on it for two months and he's not even in the movie you know like <laughs> i've worked with, i've been the guy cut out of stuff right and I've worked with the next to someone that's been cut out of stuff and it's not oh, personal. Wow. It's just, it can come down to editing. Like exactly. we need to shave 12 minutes off this. Everything with this character is gone. Oh, right. okay. And yeah. It, it happens all the time. And even with big name people. So, um, so I filmed a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, on that, but it got reduced down to a, a lot less, but, I still have dialogue and you still see me flying a ship with Tom Cruise. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I had a lot of, I mean, I really liked filming in England and since I moved back here, uh, I'm trying to think you, you mentioned stuff. I have to think of, I don't even ever really think about what I've been on. I think the other one was was Supernatural. Supernatural. So that was, that was cool. Um, cause I got to be killed on that show. Oh, uh, there you go. You're like uh, you're kind of like a, in a special fan club. Okay. When you get killed on that show. Um, oh shit. And one one of the times here when I was opening for Jim at the Orpheum, mm-hmm. guy comes up to me after the show and he's like, "Hey man, I just want you to know that was amazing. It was super complimentary." Okay. Um, and this was like in a pub after the show, right? Okay. I was going to wash him. He like stopped me, and uh, he goes, "I produce a little show in town called Supernatural." And he hands me his card. Um, and I was like, I've been on your show. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, um, but, but most of my thing in the show is I got my head beaten in. So I always, I was like in makeup the whole time. Okay. And I said, and he goes, oh my gosh, you totally have. Right. Um, like I cast you in that. Oh I remember your audition God. now, everything. That's but it's hilarious. like your, your mind is somewhere else when you just watch someone on stage, um, you know, tell stories and joke around That's for true. half an hour. Yeah. You're not thinking about this completely different thing. Right. But I said to him, I said, I got to be honest with you. So I've been doing this for whatever, 18, 19 years. Yeah. This is the first time in my career uh-huh. that like a producer of a television show has come up to me, said they love me and mm-hmm. handed me a card. Like this just doesn't happen in our business. Right. And the one time it does happen, not only have I already been on your show, well, but I died. <laughs> That's hilarious. I can't come back. Right. Um, I'm like, this is such a bummer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, that's just a bizarre thing to happen in show business, but pretty cool to, to start a relationship with that fellow because he was a, mm-hmm. genuinely enjoyed it and a really that's nice cool. producer. His name's Jim Michaels. Um, what else here? Arrow? I did, I did oh, cool. show. Yeah, I did an episode of Arrow, and that was pretty cool because I got to, like, my scene was with Arrow. You know, sometimes you get a part on a show right. and you're just like, you know, playing a hotel clerk or something that has nothing to do with like a main thing, you mm-hmm. know. So it's always cool when you can land something where you actually get to be with, um, you know. The main star. The, he- the hero. Yeah, yeah the exactly. Star, the hero, so. That's great. Okay, I don't want to ask yeah. you what was your favorite role because I assume it would probably be the Dark Knight role that you had. Or maybe not. Um, They're different, like, I mean, favorite, yeah, I mean, Dark Knight was just was just a ridiculously cool thing to be in. Um, 
and I still get like, uh, like people writing to me, um, about that. And, you know, we got to go to the premiere, uh, with my wife and everything oh, in Leicester square cool. uh, with, they had like the, like Tumblr and everything. It was, it was a big deal, right? It was yeah, really cool. Of course. And just, I'm, I was a Christopher Nolan fan. Um, I was a big, uh, I was a big Memento fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big Batman Begins fan. Um, I was a big Insomnia fan. Like, so I, I knew I was very familiar with his work. Sure. And so to me, not just to be in that, but to kind of like just watch how he did stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of directors, they have like a, a little video village that they sit and they watch a monitor in and they come out of the little area and they come and chat with you and then they go back. Right. Christopher Nolan has a thing like an iPad. He has a little wireless monitor mm-hmm. and he's a foot away from you the whole time. Oh, wow. And so he can shoot really fast because he, he, he cuts out all that walking back and forth. And he's just looking right at you, looking at the monitor, looking at you. And then he'll come over and just like whisper a little note in your ear. Mm. Like he's, it's really cool to see how he, he worked oh, wow. and how nice he was. Um, I think everything I've been in has a special thing. Like, Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, anything you can be on for more than a day <laughs> It, sound, it sounds bizarre, but like you, you, you can knock out a lot of filming in a day, but when you get to come back for multiple days and start to uh, build a relationship and it also shakes some of your nerves because you're not just like the new guy today. It's oh, like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we filmed with him for a few days. So um, that Matt Damon film I did called Green Zone, I worked quite a bit on. Oh, and, okay. uh, Again, one. excellent movie, way ahead of its time, Yeah, you know. Uh, the you know all about the WMDs in Iraq that were never there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know one of the highest, like most well reviewed war movies ever made. But the public, at, when it came out, were just Americans were not ready for it yet. Right. They basically thought a lot of it was fake news. Of course. Um, but it's a it's a great movie. I'm on the poster, so I can't complain. <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs> Uh, I filmed a movie in Italy for a month called The President's Staff oh, wow. uh, with Tomas Arana, okay. um, who is like the villain in uh, Limitless, in uh, Gladiator. Oh, he, okay. He's an amazing actor. So to go and spend like every day with that guy for a month and learn from him oh, that would be was, cool. was amazing. Um, that movie, like nothing really happened with it. Um, just a, it was a smaller film. But again, the experience was yeah. incredible. Okay. So like, I mean, yeah, every, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to, because there's something, I learned something from everything. Right. I, I've been on. Um, what about, uh, fav or what about your dream role? How about that? What about something? If someone could just wave a magical wand and say any role you ever wanted, either in that snot has come out or you were like, Oh, that would be a perfect part for me. What do you think would be your oh, dream role? It, it's, it's, uh, it's the kind of role. Um, something funny, <laughs> something where you can uh, improvise. The problem is, okay. um, so I'm bald. Uh, I know a lot of people listening to this are like, no, this, you're totally ruined it. I thought he had like long, long hair. Um, but yeah, I, I'm bald right. and I've always had a slim but stocky build. Like okay. as a kid, there's pictures of me like by the pool, five years old, with, like pecs in a six pack. I was just always a naturally fit kid teenager i lost my way but sure like we all basically (laughs) if if you have a bald hair if you have if you're bald and have a big chest right 
that's all people see you as. They're like, okay, you are special agent. You are the, the <laughs> something. Com- I'm always the special agent, the commander, the FBI right. guy, um, the lead SWAT team. Yep. And I could see that's that being an actor. I play yeah. those things. But yeah. um, whenever I've been in commercials, it's because they're like, okay, can you just improvise something? And then I'm like really funny. And they're like, wow, okay. And then you cast it. Yeah, yeah. I just don't get those opportunities um, uh, here mm-hmm. because in Vancouver, in Canada, basically all we film are action and sci-fi. Oh, so you know what? That's it's, true. It's, I never thought of that. Oh, Vancouver is all, especially Vancouver is all the superhero shows yeah. and all the sci-fi stuff. So there's never anything like I never have an opportunity to mm. improvise and be funny. Right. Um, I really wish I did. Because it's like my, it is my best skill, um, and I and I just don't get to do it, and that's what pains me about not being in LA. Right. Is I would love to have those opportunities, but they just don't film those things here. Yeah. So yeah. until and, and I don't know until until they start shooting comedies here, I am stuck with uh, sir. You need to get down on the ground, kind of stuff. Uh, which again, I do. I've landed the roles, but right. um, it's it's not me. But again, that's acting. So yeah, I just want to be funny and improvise. Oh, that's but that's awesome. why I started making my own shit. Oh, there you go. Exactly. That that's the thing of nowadays that we have people like yourself who are in the entertainment business have full creative control if you want to go down that route in the future or even now yeah. or whenever, right? Cause you can do it. So I wrote crazy. and directed about 20 shorts. Oh shit. Wow. Um, so there's a website called funny or die and I was kind right. of on the cutting edge of it where, oh, okay. Yeah. So what happened to me is I started to write and direct stuff back in England. Oh wow. Okay. And, uh, <clears throat> basically I was, I was regularly sending stuff to funny or die and they were regularly featuring on their front page. Mm-hmm. So they ended up getting in contact with me. And I was kind of like one of their young elite, like the regular contributors. Right. So they actually put my picture with three other people on a masthead mm-hmm. across the top of Funny or Die. We were like their like prospects of these oh. young sketch makers. Right. So it was pretty exciting to have like, you know, that site's owned by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Yeah. To have these people be like, yeah, we like what these kids are doing mm. to me be not just one of them, but the first one, it was yeah, pretty crazy. Awesome. Um, so I was generating a lot of content with them, which was really fun, but also, you know, crap, you know, a lot of pressure, you know, you want it to be, of course you want to follow up with another good one. And, yep. You know, uh, so, so I made some pretty cool stuff. Um, and then the reason it slowed down is simply people watch just less stuff now. Like, I would shoot a really clever two or three minute sketch mm. or even a one minute fake commercial and our world attention span, like it switched to like seven seconds with Vine. And now yeah. it's like you ask your friend, like, hey, you got to check it. If you showed your friend a clip mm. and you said, man, you have to check yourself, the first thing they say is, how long is this? Like, That's me. I'm that person. How, 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 how much time am I going to have to like, yes. <laughs> and it's like, dude, it's 30 seconds. It's a minute. Just I'm horrible. Yeah. And even if you go back and look at SNL, okay, yeah, um, their sketches used to be like seven minutes long. Some of them were really long, mm-hmm. and they were funny. But now it's like the attention span is so much shorter. It's true, yeah. Is one thing. 
So that slowed down, like, you're making a huge effort to actually film something, because when I filmed it, like, with the crew, I filmed it properly, mm-hmm. for a crowd that's just ultimately just wants to, like, watch a fail compilation. They just want to see someone bail on a jet ski or eat a fucking hot chili pepper up their ass. They, you know, like, they, they, they don't want to watch a sketch. And then a lot of people started more so just YouTube, watching stuff on YouTube, um, versus, like, going to Funny or Die. They would just go to the YouTube right. Funny or Die, Makes sense. which which would reduce your chance of being discovered because when they go to Funny or Die, they'll click on your face, they'll click on that thing, oh, go to my video. Right. Whereas if they go to YouTube, they're not gonna they're not gonna come across you, right? So mm-hmm. they really gave me a good initial thing, uh, but like I said, audiences tastes change just with time stuff because people have our the, our attention spans are fucked now. Yeah. You know, like we're all guilty of it yeah, uh it's true but my last thing one of my last things that made i encourage people to watch it's it's only a few minutes <laughs> i think it may be five um okay. it's called secret agent problems okay. and it's on my youtube uh which i think is just tommy campbell all right. um and it won a lot of awards it went it made the rounds at film festivals it screened cool. It screened all around the world, mm-hmm. so at like an international film festival, that meant that it was in competition in screening. Like, so I uh, I had to have a digital theater cut sent around, oh, wow. and I flew to different places, okay. and it won best short film at Cinema Los Angeles. Nice. So the Los Angeles uh, uh, film festival there actually won best short, um, and uh, screened in competition in a lot of places, and uh, yeah, top ten, top five, and other ones, mm-hmm. but. I actually did walk away with an award in Los Angeles, which was pretty surreal to me. Um, and it really is a unique, very funny uh, thing that I'm still to the day holds up, very proud of. And anyone that sees it is like, yes, 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 yes. So they really I'll, I'll have to it. check it out for sure. After Ma- this making time. stuff myself is the most fun thing ever. Like that to me is the best. It's just frustrating because you know you can put a ton of work and make something great, mm-hmm. but it's hard to get people just to watch it. It's Tell just crazy. It. Like, yep. when you look even at SNL, almost every sketch is musical now. Oh. Like, just just watch, like, every sketch is, like, a song. Everything's a song, a song parody. Right. Because um, that's, they know at least people, it's, for some reason, it's a little more shareable, and people will watch it more. Uh, See, I was never I really know. an SNL guy, and I, you know, I've said it before too, and I've got some That's slack fine. for it. But I was more of Matt TV and Living Color; like those were the things I loved growing up. And I, lo- I yeah, I loved, um, I loved in Living Color as well. I didn't, I don't, I just don't really remember much Matt TV, but in Living Color, like um, you've, you, all your fire marshal bill, of course, <laughs> um, love, but uh, and. Uh, Sorry, I'm just like, just, I'm just, I could just, what was his, Damon Wayne's character? Um, Which one? Who was he? The Holly, like, uh, they had, they had the, the, the homeless guy that was always with, like, huffing the. Oh, yes. Yes, now it's coming back to me. I remember him. The one well, I remember the most. So he did that character. Um, I, sorry, I just not thought about a show in years, but I, when, when I was like, younger, we, yeah. we thought he was hilarious. But then he would play, like, the super camp. They would like review stuff. 
I think so. The one I remember the most, too, obviously, Fire Marshal Bill is a staple. Everyone knows him. Is uh, the Jamie Foxx one where he was, uh, was it Juanita or, or Juana or something? The one where he had the big lips and the wig and the fat ass that came out. And he was always trying oh, yeah, to hit yeah. on, on people and shit. I found that hilarious. Yeah, it was it was a really ambitious show. Right? Um, and, and again, great to have that other that other one out there. Like, you can live in a world with more than one sketch show. You need competition. Um, I'm sorry. You always need competition for anything to survive. And sure. And that's, but this is what I don't understand. Like if, if Canadians are supposed to be like so funny and so much stuff comes out of Canada right. and we, you know, we did pioneer like stuff like with SCTV, then why can't we do that again? Um, right. You think so, but then you look, you just watch it. Like what anything is produced by, mm-hmm. Canadian producers and it's fucking horrible. I mean, aside from like Shit's Creek, which is amazing, like right. that's a great show. But generally, anytime they make an attempt at anything sketch wise, you're like, how many unfunny people in suits mm. butchered this sketch or was it not funny in the first place because our industry tends to be like, all right, we need 10 writers. Let's look around and get like the top headlining comics around the country, the seasoned pros. Nope. Let's look at people that have been doing comedy for five minutes and uh, let's get them to do it. That would be a great idea. You've been doing comedy a year? Great. We're going to have you write on a show. It's going to be awesome. And all the people that write on all the shows are brand new here. Wow. That's They're all, crazy. They've all been doing it for barely any. And it's a weird Canadian thing, whereas we don't hire the season pros, they just want to like get brand new people. I, I don't know why <laughs> that is weird. It is, but it's, it's a hundred percent true. Well, that sucks. <laughs> the data doesn't lie, you know? Well, so they say, right. All right, let's get into the dumbass of the week. Actually. Well, there's so many other stuff I want to touch bases on. So I'm going to have to get touch you back. On whatever you want. Okay. Well, there's two other things. I see okay. you're wearing a boring company hat. So obviously you're a huge Tesla fan. I assume. Yes. You own and drive a Tesla yourself? I have a Tesla Model 3. I had it like day one reservation. Oh, wow. I've had it for a year now, and it's the greatest thing. It's Okay, because I was going to ask you, because our next purchase, once this car goes, because I'm cheap, I don't buy new cars. I only buy stuff when I need it replaced. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still on a fucking iPhone 6. That's how far back <laughs> I go. So, hey, it still works, and the battery life is still decent, so I don't care. I'm not going to go and I, I spend change, money. I change phones every year or two just because I want the camera. Oh, like, okay. See, I'm not a big I picture guy, the camera, too. So. so, you're suggesting to invest in a Tesla, then? It, it, it's a good well, investment? It's, it's a one-time purchase. Like, there's no other vehicle like that that... Oh. Like like you get with with an electric car, it's got ninety eight percent less moving parts than a gas vehicle. So you, you, you're having you're you're buying a maintenance free vehicle. There's no oil to change. There's no, no see people there's no don't muffler, that. There's no transmission. Yeah, there there is an engine the size of a turkey between the rear two wheels, and if you have a dual motor between the front as well. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's just a one off purchase and. You're like, there's, you get the same stupid questions from non-electric vehicle people. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and I wouldn't say that it's not to say they're stupid, but they're like, I had a friend that wanted, want to get a Tesla and he's like, yeah, but at my townhouse, there's nowhere to charge it. And I said, oh, 
does your townhouse have a gas station? <laughs> like, like the idea that you can only fill it up at home is crazy. It's right. a, it's an amazing convenience if you can. Like right. I have a charger in my garage, mm-hmm. like a pretty fast one. Right. So you know, you wake up with a full tank every day is pretty cool. Of course. But it shouldn't. If I lived in an apartment, um, would it stop me? No, because. It's just like going to a gas station. You stop at a Tesla supercharger. Mm-hmm. The version 3 Tesla supercharger charge rate is 1,600 kilometers an hour. So in yeah. five minutes, you're getting 160 kilometers. That's so crazy. You, you tell me you can't, uh, like when you're getting groceries, like you won't even have time to piss. Like you that's just plug right. it in. That's it's true. Full. I didn't like, even think so of that. Fast. Yeah, that's right. So Fuck. why a Tesla is unique. So before my Tesla, I had a Nissan Leaf. So I've been actually okay. electric for a while. Oh, okay. you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I first got converted hmm. when I went to California, and I just couldn't believe how many cars were electric. Yep. I and I just came too. back to Canada. I sold my Ford Escape and bought hmm. a Leaf. Okay. And put a reservation on the Model Three to be built. Right. Um, the reason Teslas are so much better as an electric car. Um, is not just the fact that the engineering and design is is paramount. Mm-hmm. Like a Tesla Model Three is the safest car ever made, so it has Love the it. lowest probability of injury in an accident than any car ever tested in the history of testing by the Canadian government, the U.S. government, the European Union, Austria, yeah. Australia, uh, New Zealand. Like it's the it's the safest car ever made. So lowest probability of injury and lowest probability of an accident because of the autonomous features that are standard in every car. So that enough is a reason. People think, oh, I want a safe car. I get a big SUV. No, safest car ever made is Tesla Model 3. Um, Seats five comfortably, trunk in the front and the back. Uh, Zero to 60 in four seconds. Three and a half if you get the performance. Uh, Like, there's just nothing like it. I mean, you get the... With Teslas, again, over other electric cars, mm-hmm. you get these software updates every couple weeks. That's right. So I just got version 10 yesterday. Okay. And that gave me, uh, Spotify is now integrated, so it's all on my touchscreen. I log in with my account, oh, that's so that's cool. insane. Right. Um, Netflix, which is just crazy. Wow. So obviously it only works when you're parked, but Tesla... It, has a 16 speakers surround as it's got 16 speakers. So when you're, when you're like, if my wife is, if I'm waiting for her and she's in the mall or something and you can put right. on Netflix and watch an episode of something or a bit of a movie with 16 speakers with that huge oh, center. It's, that's awesome. It's amazing. But those are things that I didn't have to take to a dealership and pay for an update. Like my car gets in. better. Yeah. Um, like they increased the zero to sixty by half a second for everyone with an over-the-air software update. Um, they made the braking better with an over-the-air software update. So that's a Tesla advantage as well. And the other one is when you're speaking of electric cars. If you well, like when I had my Nissan Leaf, I was mm-hmm. at the mercy of public chargers. So if I was trying to go somewhere and need to charge, mm-hmm. I I was at the mercy of like the mall charger. Okay, um, and it's like public toilets. People just don't respect stuff. And you would get there and you're like, oh man, someone tried to jam this in the wrong thing and the pin's broken. Okay. And you couldn't, and you couldn't charge. Right. Whereas Tesla has their own proprietary plug mm-hmm. and their own station. So only Teslas can charge there. Right. So there's 15,000 of them. So mm-hmm. they're like every 20 miles in the States. There's more 
Tesla chargers in Vancouver than gas stations. So That's awesome. It's when you get a Tesla, you're buying into that network of chargers. So mm-hmm. wherever you want to go, like if I punch Seattle in my nav, it will say stop at this charger for four minutes, stop at this one for seven. It'll just plan your route. That's and it's not so necessarily amazing. of you need a charge. It's like, well, you've been driving for an hour and a half. You probably need to piss. Here's a charger. Stop for seven minutes. Wow. And boom, you'll get, you know, a few hundred kilometers. So um, I, I can't recommend the car anymore. <laughs> Any, Even the biggest skeptics I've had in it, you know, I've got a few redneck neighbors with their big loud Mustangs yep. and stuff. You get that. And uh, I've taken them for rides in my car. And, and I mean, I've seen grown men shit themselves. <laughs> Good. There's nothing like it, like just because the, the torque is unbelievable. Like when you right. take off, it's just like if you're holding your phone, yeah. it's going to hit you in the face. Oh wow! Um, it's amazing. Yeah. So you sold me, and, that's for sure. Hey, <laughs> and the bottom line is, uh, no, no tailpipe. Um, you, you're not putting smog in the world, yep. and you're not going to have any maintenance. Your car will be future proof. Like there's Teslas on YouTube with half a million miles and. They're still totally fine. So, yeah, it it could be a larger upfront cost than another vehicle, but it's like getting a, you know, when someone gets some weird generic, like, PC computer off Amazon and it's constantly fucked. Yeah. Whereas if they just buy a MacBook Pro or something and, you know, I have a 2009 MacBook Pro and it's still fine. Yeah. There's no need to get rid of it. It's still, it's like my travel writing computer. But, like, if you buy something good... It lasts. It, it's true. It'll last, right? So No, of course. Yeah. And so then, you want to know about that? What's the other thing? Finally, then, lastly, you've done some voice acting for <clears throat> video games. Yes. Are you a gamer yourself, first off? How about of that? Of course. Oh, you are? Okay, perfect. PS4 or Xbox? I have a PS4 and a projector. Oh, so nice. I have a, like, I have, like, a 9, 10-foot screen. Um, and, uh, yeah, oh, I'm big and yeah. So my, one of my voice, uh, the crisis video games, um, okay, that's pretty cool, which are cool. Uh, need for speed, most wanted. Oh, nice. Um, I've done some PC games. One's called bless online. That's my most recent one. Okay. Never heard Home of world, one. which Homeworld, is a big yeah, game. I've heard of that. And then, uh, rising storms, world war two one. Those are like all my PC kind of trilogy. Okay. Okay. Uh, but for me, I'm I'm a. When it comes to games, mm-hmm. I'm a I, I like shooters. I like uh, I like Battlefield, Call of Duty. Oh, stuff like you're that. that type of guy. Okay, I, I like that. I like to play online. Yeah. Um, I'm the complete and I opposite. I don't just like like team deathmatch stuff. I like okay. at least when there's an objective. Oh. Um, and uh, I also like racing stuff, but not really realistic. Okay, like I prefer. I yeah, I prefer more of the Need for Speed style, right. or even more so. Like I keep thinking about getting a Nintendo Switch because I want Mario Kart. Um, I just love like, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, stoned in a friend's basement playing Nintendo sixty four right? Mario Kart and Goldeneye. So uh, gotcha. No, I totally understand. Yeah, well, then, so, then you know what? You know what I highly recommend then, since you're on PS four, get Crash Team Racing. I actually got that for my wife because she used to love like, playing it. Crash Bandicoot Racing. Yes. Because she used to play it on the PS1 or PS2, whatever. Yeah, I think I had it ages ago. Yeah, it came but, out ages but ago. But, like, is it upscaled? Or is oh, it yeah, no, it's brand new. Or... It's upscaled. It's not oh, a right remake. On. You have new characters, new tracks. And that's the other thing, too. Speaking of updates, 
they update all the time so you're getting new tracks all the time new characters all the time and if you're into those type of kart racing games it's you know what it's the closest thing you could get to mario kart on the ps4 how about okay badass so I'll definitely do that. You'll yeah, have to no, check I'm, that out. Again, I'm always the guy that's like a fan that's been lucky enough to like, you know, uh, be in these things where I'm working with someone I really like um, or voicing a game that I've played the first one and now I'm voicing the sequel, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I've always been very gracious and professional, just happy to be there, you know, is, is a big thing. But since I had a kid, I've barely had any time to uh i mean i probably in the last two years have turned my ps4 on twice oh really and it used to be like a daily thing um yeah and I it's weird with games. some people would be like oh like it's weird when you meet people that like don't play games yeah. and they judge you for playing a game and i'm right? like well if you have your hour to a day mm-hmm. of your unwind time why does it matter to you whether I'm reading a book, watching a movie, watching reality TV, or playing a video, like, why? That's how I'm choosing to spend that block. Yep. And I often found, like, you know, powering through, like, some stuff in Battlefield or Call of Duty to be far more satisfying mm-hmm. than just watching, or as we do now, half-watching, because you're not really no, watching you're stuff. You're on something. You're always... Yeah. Like, when I want to watch something, my wife and I, we, we put our phones in another room. Smart. Like, if we're going to watch a movie, if we get our yeah. kid to bed, yeah, yeah. Um, again, having the projector, you know, we, we watch a movie properly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's put our phones away and let's fucking watch this. Because pretty soon, if not, you're just both sitting there and you're both scrolling. I'm, and then you get bored. She's buying shit on Amazon. <laughs> I'm... I'm calling Trump a dickhead, you know, like, it, it, it's so much more enjoyable when you right. can just focus, like, back to the British comedy audiences, they were focused, they were there, they didn't have the distraction of a waitress, yeah. they had their drink, they were happy, they focused, so that's our big thing now, when we do get our time to watch something, mm-hmm. uh, focus, and what, we just recently watched, um, this just came out to rent, was uh, Rocket Man. Okay. If you haven't seen that, it's tremendous. Um, it, it really is. Like Elton John actually produced that and right. signed off on. Like it's 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 dark and nasty. Like okay, okay. he is not painted in a good light, and I love that. And that that's he wanted people to know mm-hmm. the truth, like um, the demons he fought. And, and uh, it's it's a tremendous movie. Also, thanks to that uh, the actor that plays him, Taron Egerton, it's amazing. See, I hated Bohemian Rhapsody, so oh um, okay. So I did not like that movie. Um, so I had a bit of trepidation going in Rocket Man, but I heard it was great. And, cool. uh, I, I highly recommend it. It was it was done very well. It was, it was uh, badass, very entertaining. And um, that actor is so good that he's someone you watch and you're like, okay, I just have to quit because right. um, I'll never be, <laughs> be that good in the same league as right. like this, this fucking genius. So, yeah. Oh, my God. All right, let's go to the dumbass of the week then. Let's see if you agree or disagree if this person is an actual dumbass. But this week I got two people that could possibly be a dumbass. So okay. this actually happened. These are stories that I pull offline. I, sometimes they're old, sometimes they're new. 
doesn't really okay. matter because it's just whatever. So this happened in Georgia. I don't know if you've ever done this or if you know someone who has done this. This person borrowed, willingly borrowed, or the other person gave this person their badge, their gun, and their police officer hat, equipment, everything, so they could go into a store and get free food. Now, you know how they got caught? No. So it was two women, by the way. So she went into the store, and it so happened that a real police officer drove by, didn't recognize her, and just waited to see. And everyone knows a cop doesn't go up to a convenience store or fast food and demands to get free shit. It's yeah. up to the owner to give them if they want to, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, please discount. Yeah, exactly. So he noticed that she was actually asking for stuff and saying, no, I'm not paying. I'm a cop and all that. And that's where it triggered. So then he ended up yeah, following yeah, her. He followed her. He pulled up the license plate and they were in the car of the real officer. And he noticed that it wasn't the same person. Pulled them over. And that's how they got caught. And they still tried to play it off as if they were doing nothing wrong. So wow. the actual real cop, first off, got suspended, but then had to step down. So no longer a cop. And the person who were impersonated is now in jail. So are they both dumbasses? Is one a dumbass? What's going on here? Double dumbass. <laughs> now, why wouldn't the real cop just go in and try and get free food? That's what really fucked me, my, my mind up and why... I'm bringing up this story because some people are like, okay, this isn't really out of the ordinary. I could see someone doing it. But when you have someone who's legally or wanting to purposely give you their uniform, why wouldn't they just go in themselves, right? It's, it's one of those things that's like, it's hard even, I feel dumb just listening to this. <laughs> well, uh, it's just ridiculous on so many levels. I, I don't understand. And why free food? Why even go there? Why don't you want something else more than just food? Like if you're going to do it, might as well do it right. Well, the, so the reason people will give stuff free to cops is because it encourages the cop to come around there. Exactly. And if the cops like around there, protection. they're going to have less trouble. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they're just happy that like a cop is there because it's gonna it's it's just gonna push stuff away. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you know you're gonna be getting stuff, then hang around at better places. Go to better places. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, Tommy, this is your time. Plug your shit away where people can find you. Anything upcoming, whatever you want. Floor's all yours. Uh, well, like I said, my latest album is called Let's Room Saturday. Uh, I let people know they can stream it on, on uh, Spotify more so than anything. Um, it's also on Apple Music and iTunes, but real realistically, no one's going to buy an album anymore. Uh, they will stream it. Right. And of the two, I think Spotify is a better platform. And okay. I, there's not enough space to uh, promote all, so I just generally try and direct people to Spotify. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Tommy Campbell. I have a little blue check, so it'll be easy to find me. Um, it does make things simpler. Uh, I am, as I mentioned earlier, I'll be in Toronto. I think it's October 17th. Just wherever Jim Jeffries is in Canada, I am. And up next is the Sony Center. And after that, November 16th at uh, the Savon Memorial Arena in Victoria. And just the dates trickle in from there. Of course. But mostly if you want to see my daily musings, uh, follow me on Twitter. And if you have a commute or something to do, put on my, put on my latest album. And then you might go back and hear the other ones. Uh, 
as yourself did. So exactly. And another thing with all Canadian comics, uh, we often get played on a Just for Laughs station yep. uh, on Sirius XM. So if if you have Sirius XM in your car, I, I encourage you to uh, to tune into that station because they go out of their way to play uh, the Canadian content. And mm. it's a big lifeblood for us as Canadian entertainers. So by listening, you are supporting uh, our way of life and uh, a station that's, you know, made this possible for a lot of people. So so definitely tune in on SiriusXM when you get a chance. Perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments at the podcast app at gmail.com. Go to the top of the show, rewind, support the sponsors. There's a little bit of something for everyone. So please help them out because it helps me out. And most importantly, this is the most important thing you could do. I know I said important twice because that's how important it is. Please subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. All good, my friend? Yeah. On that note, a very happy birthday from us at the podcast to you, Tommy, because I know it's just around the corner. And as of this Thank airing, as of this airing, it'll be tomorrow. He's Tommy. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.